Welcome to Ask the Educator, a podcast brought to you by Healthmark Industries. Are you a sterile processing technician or manager? Maybe you work in infection prevention or biomedical engineering. Whether you're a frontline tech, endoscopy tech, OR nurse, or surgical services administrator, you undoubtedly have influence in medical device processing at your facility. In each episode, we speak with experts from the Healthmark Clinical Affairs team, industry leaders, or special guests from the trenches to answer your questions and bring you relevant industry information, equipping you for excellence in medical device processing. My name is Kevin Anderson, and I will be your host. Now let's get started. Hey, everybody. This is Kevin Anderson welcoming you back to the Ask the Educator podcast. I have with me my co-host, Adam Okada, and today we are recording with guests Marjorie Wall and Joseph Avila. Is it Avila or Avila? How do you pronounce it, Joseph? It's Avila. Avila. All right. Okay. Excellent. So these guys just got off of our international webinar with Adam Okada, and they did a fantastic job. So we thought we would do just a follow-up interview on the podcast and get it out in another way uh, to make it more accessible and get some highlights of what people could find out on this webinar because it was so good and a little bit different than what we normally have content-wise. Uh, I think it's a it's a good idea to kind of do a little recap here for people and then get them a little bit of a primer in case they haven't seen the webinar and make them kind of want to go and check it out after the fact, check out the recording. So Marjorie, during the webinar, you spoke about the need for a facility department to have psychological safety. This is a, this is a very interesting concept, and, and I appreciate that you even brought it up and spoke to this uh, because you had some real-world examples for this. So can you speak a little bit about what this means and how important that can be to hearing the voices that need to be heard in your uh, department or facility? Yeah, Kevin, thank you and Adam. And I'm glad to be here with Joseph as well. You guys are great. I'm a big fan of your show. Sorry for nerding out a little bit on that. I'm always excited when I get to talk to you. If I could get your autograph right now, I would. Um, (laughs) You're too kind. (laughs) Thank you for bringing that up though. Psychological safety, it's something that I'm really passionate about. When we go into sterile processing departments and when we try to form multidisciplinary teams with um, members of our sterile processing team, OR, periop, I guess OR, periop is probably the same thing, um, infection control and whatnot. When we try to build those teams, we have to build them in a way where people can speak up. When you don't have a speak up culture, when you don't have psychological safety, when your team is plagued by organizational silence, where voices can't be heard, that's where you start running into problems um, that can lead to patient harm. Or it's when you are trying to implement some strategic initiative, something that's going to make our departments better, more functional, or have the tools, resources, education that we need to be successful. And we're not going to be able to get the people on our side that are going to help us make that happen. So we have to create this environment where people feel safe to speak up, to share their voices, to engage with change and innovation. Yeah, I think one of the key things that you brought up during that portion of the webinar, and I don't want to spoil the entire thing for everybody, but this was a very personal thing that you brought up as a tool that helps you to kind of stop yourself from from judge, judgment and kind of consider the other person's viewpoint. I wanted to give you a quick chance to speak to that part because I think a lot of times in these facilities that don't allow people to speak up. It's usually because the leader 
snuffs them out, you know, because maybe they feel, you know, attacked or uh, defensive in some way. And I think that part of the leader that you can play uh, by, uh, you know, kind of pausing and letting people be heard and promoting that is a big deal. So I wanted to give you a couple uh, minutes here just to kind of speak to that before we go on to the next question for Joseph. Yeah, absolutely. That is one of my favorite tools to use. Stop, challenge, and choose. Um, So as a leader, um, I use this tool all the time when I'm mentoring new leaders. The way I explain it is, um, and you use this more than just this example I'm going to share, you've got an employee that all of a sudden is tardy every day and all of a sudden having attendance issues and their productivity isn't where they need to be. So this employee's challenge, your response as a leader is, what the heck? Why aren't they carrying their weight? We can't support the OR because we can't get this work done. So what I encourage leaders to do is to stop right there, challenge your mindset, and choose a path that's going to lead to that optimal outcome. So with an employee where you're trying to understand what's going on, you go, you know, hey, Joseph, what's going on? You were my best employee. You know, your work is always great. It seems like, you know, you're not performing where you normally are. And maybe, Joseph, you share that your whole family has COVID and you're struggling, right? But it's choosing pathways that get you to where you can build trust and engagement in your relationships. So if we're trying to build psychological safety and we just hired a new employee and they just studied the book and they know the right way to do things and they're coming into our organization and they're trying to speak up, we have to do the same thing. We have to challenge our own thought processes pause, try to understand where they're coming from and find a way to engage them, to hear them, they might be right. Or they may have just learned one way and maybe we need to engage and hear them so that they can hear us and go in a different direction. And that tool works, whether you're looking at new employees, whether you're looking at your long-term employees that have done work the same way forever, or when you're trying to build this multidisciplinary team to work towards a strategic goal And you've got people with different backgrounds and areas of expertise and mindsets about things. If you can stop yourself, challenge your own thought processes and, you know, choose a pathway where you're going to hear people and create psychological safe environment where people can speak up and be heard, then that's where the magic happens. That's where we build high functioning teams that can solve the unsolvable. Marjorie, I love that. Hearing voices that you normally don't get to hear people that are on the floor. You know, if we change something and somebody says, look, this isn't going to work because we have X, Y, and Z challenges on the floor, we may not know that as managers. Unless we're out there every day working, sometimes we don't see some of those challenges. So empowering them to speak up and getting those different perspectives. And I love what you how you guys tied it into the interdisciplinary thing, too. And I'll tell a personal story. Um, I remember when we were trying to get a dumbwaiter fixed. It was broken and it wouldn't unload carts. And we had tried and tried with facilities. Look, we need to get this replaced. Well, put in your capital budget, put in your capital budget. And every time it got rejected. And finally, what we did is we went to risk management, we went to employee health, we went to our partners and we asked for their opinion. Hey, look, we have this dumbwaiter. It's kind of dangerous because people are unloading it and having to pick carts up and take them out. If we hadn't gotten those collaborators, we wouldn't have gotten our dumbwaiter. And that's really the only way though. sometimes those things happen is you have to get voices outside of your scope in order to get help and that full picture of what you really need. So I appreciate what you're talking about with that. 
And for Joseph, I did have a question for you because you had a really cool section of the webinar, which was about finding new recruits for sterile processing, uh, a lot of challenges with staffing and a lot of challenges with, you know, just getting people into the department where you have openings and you have to fill in the travelers. And especially during the pandemic, there's a lot of challenges. So can you just review really quickly what you guys did and then that collaboration that was needed in order to make that happen? Absolutely, Adam. And thank you. And thank you, Kevin, as well. The challenges was is that there's only a, a sprinkle of amount of candidates out there that we're all competing against to try to hire and interview and bring them into our facility. And I'm not talking about competing with uh, a different organization. I'm talking about competing within the same system. We were going against one another, even though we work for the same organization, because we only had one or two candidates applying for you know a multitude of jobs. And so right then and there, we knew that we had to look for something else. There was something missing. There's uh, a need to build a candidate pipeline down the road. And we started looking at this from a strategic standpoint. Um, I mentioned in the uh, webinar that we had an affiliation or a apprenticeship program built out with the local community college. And the relationship was already there, but it wasn't as robust as, as it is today. And so previously, SPD was an afterthought. This is something that they would put people in in limbo if their surgical tech program filled up too fast. And so they're like, hey, you know what? Uh, surgical tech program's too filled up, but let's, let's put you in SPD program. And every once in a while, they might have a class of six to eight students. Well, then those six, seven, eight students will get ready to do their clinical rotation. They'll be... Uh, dispersed out the entire medical center. And, and here at the medical center, there's multitude of uh, different organizations. So you'll be lucky if you get one or two of those students. We approach the school and say, hey, we need something more. We need, this is our need. This is the community speaking to you and providing you the need uh, of the current industry and what we're looking for. So with that, we brought in the leadership from the school and the leadership at the hospital to bring them to the table and talk about how do we get closer to achieving what's needed in today's current industry. And so that's how we came to building this pipeline of students. Uh, overall, the uh, pipeline and the number of students from SPD for that community college has gone up 200%. You know, they've quadrupled the number of students coming in, the, the success of the program, and the relationship between the hospital and the school is every day getting better and better. You know, Joseph, that's a, as Adam said, that's like a, a universal problem right now in departments, probably all over the country, if not all over the world. And so uh, I think this idea that you've had and actually executed on is something that people have thought of before, but they kind of, at least from my own perspective, I, I personally had thought about it before, but I never executed on it because it's hard to know where to start. It's hard. It, it's overwhelming. You have other issues you're dealing with and all of that. So I think what's really interesting about this story is that no one person really had to do it themselves, which is great, which is the whole point of this whole multidisciplinary uh, collaboration. And one of the things that um, I thought was interesting, too, about your story was that you shared on the webinar a lesson learned that I think was really important in that even if you get started on a big project like this, in hindsight, you can see 
you know, some things that would have made it a lot smoother and would have would have uh, got you the leverage you needed or got people at the table that really needed to be there. And I wanted to give you a quick moment to kind of share a little bit about that, because I think not only getting started and doing this and solving a real world problem is important, but also those lessons learned uh, throughout the process, because that's what makes experience so valuable is all those lessons learned that you can share with people. And so I wanted to give you a chance to speak to that real quick, if you don't mind. We, we definitely started this particular project. Sheer excitement. We're, we're going full-blown into this particular project to only maybe a few months down the road get a hard stop. And the hard stop was not from the school. It was actually from our internal hospital side. And it's to say, hey, take a step back. Uh, We need to pause this for a quick second because you might be in jeopardy of compromising the affiliation between the hospital and the school. Both my uh, direct manager and myself realized that, you know, okay, we're looking at this uh, from our perspective and we didn't include the the different disciplinary leaders uh, to ensure that we were in our right state, had the right things, even though the, the intentions were good, we could have definitely gotten in some trouble legally. And so bringing in the legal team, education team, HR business partners in definitely helped us uh, have a clearer vision, provided us uh, the opportunity to establish the guidelines or uh, go back to the drawing board and uh, make some tweaks to our game plan to ensure that we were um, in, on our, in our right lanes and, and ensuring that we're not jeopardizing the affiliation. Now, I say all of this, and there's still some red tape out there that we're going through. Um, I mentioned in the webinar that we're trying to work and provide scholarship to the students. So that's one of the biggest challenges because apparently the affiliation is very general and broad. We've learned from this is that some schools and some programs prohibit their students from getting paid while in a uh, student status. Well, that's currently not the case for SPD. And so we're trying to exclude that and have an amendment to their agreement. Nice. That's that's huge. That would be great for uh, the pipeline, I'm sure, getting raw talent back in there and (laughs) getting that uh, clause excluded where you can't pay them. I mean, that's, uh, that's huge. So I wanted to, before we wrap up, I wanted to give you each uh, a chance to kind of put together some final thoughts or advice on taking action for multidisciplinary collaboration. So Marjorie, why don't you go ahead and uh, share whatever your final thoughts are, and then and then we'll go back to Joseph. I would love to. I, I would just say as someone that has watched um, Joseph's initiatives um, develop, one of the things that I'm the most proud of him and this project, which ties back to psychological safety, is they weren't afraid to fail. They focused on, you know, the vision forward. They brought people to the table and built that strategic relationship and partnership with all those individuals. And they tried things. And then when it didn't work, they course corrected and tried again in a safe way. So, I mean, even what you were just talking about, Joseph, where you guys ran into struggles, that's amazing because you guys gave yourself the space to try and have the opportunity to run into those struggles and figure out what to do next when you did run into those barriers. So psychological safety is hard. Um, But by doing that, we can create these high-functioning, multidisciplinary teams that can take on these systemic challenges 
and really make a difference in our sterile processing worlds. So kudos to you, Joseph, and thank you so much for sharing that. Excellent. Yeah, that's a great point. So Joseph, what do you, what would you say your final uh, thoughts or takeaway would be for this topic? It might sound a little cheesy, but I want to also praise Marjorie. Her portion of the presentation is that, you know, you have to have that culture or that, that environment to feel safe. And um, as a leader, you need to be willing to fail to, to move the needle. Sometimes it takes being a little bit uncomfortable in order to make some change. And then going, going about uh, building the team or seeing who to bring to the team. Yes, it's good to be inclusive of everybody. But sometimes having too big of a team uh, could slow down progress. So be mindful of that. Ensure that you have the key people there, but not folks that are not going to bring any value. Thank you guys so much for joining us on the podcast. That's all the time we have for today. So Marjorie, Joseph, great job on the webinar. Great job here. And we'll see you on the next podcast. All opinions expressed on this show are those of the presenters. Before using any medical device, it is important to review the device manufacturer's instructions for use.